Thank you for tuning in and welcome to Theatre Chat, a show about the highs and lows of live theatre performances and what it takes to live in this topsy-turvy world. I am your host, Regan Danks, and I am here at Brooks Secondary School in Powell River, British Columbia with my high school drama teacher, Brenda Lakoff. She learned at an early age that she was being directed to follow her path with heart, having an older sister on the stage, opportunities to perform, and taking all the university courses that she loved, Brenda ended up with a Bachelor of Education in Development through drama and a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology to understand people across ages, cultures, and beliefs. She went from loving performing to working with others on being all they came to be in the stage of this life. Creative drama and performing arts were what Brenda felt directed to work with, and so her 40 years of teaching followed this path. Hi, Brenda, and thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. One of my fondest memories of you is your incredible stories. I hope you will share some of them with our listeners while we chat. Tell me, what was your most memorable theatrical experience as a child, the one that pointed you in the direction of life involved with the arts? For me, it was grade seven when they first offered drama as an option, and the teacher wanted to do an all-boys play to get these boys involved, which was a good thing, but not one of them was willing to sing a, a solo part, so I said, I'll do it! And so I played old Jim, and I had to sing, Oh, we sail the ocean blue! And I was so proud of myself singing that stupid song with those boys, but I had fun, and so after that I did more. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> when were you in your first dramatic production or performance, and what was it? So that was for sure, that was that one. It was HMS Pinafore in grade 7. So I would have been like 12 or 13, 12 in grade 7. What roadblocks did you face when you were starting out? No roadblocks in junior high, but in senior high in Alberta at that time, you had to, to get go to university, you had to do English 12, math 12, socials 12, and I had two science 12s. I didn't have room to do drama, so I was always in the musical productions. I loved them, but I never got a lead role. The lead roles were being worked on during class time, and I didn't take drama in high school, ironically, but I ended up teaching it for all those years. But in, then I got into community theater, got the lead roles, got into musical theater, or not musical theater, I got into theater in university, and then it became my major. I didn't even know it was gonna be my major. So I just followed the path that had heart, and that's where I ended up. How did your career progress? It's a long career, 40 years altogether. So I started my first year, I was a teacher on call. I was doing six weeks in little county areas with the grade one to six so the teachers could get a free period. And I only got one hour with each one. And after six weeks, we were supposed to perform, well, an hour for a pre-grade one or a grade five. They can't do a heck of a lot. So they were very simple things, but we performed. And so that got me working in schools. And then when the first job came up for someone to be the assistant drama teacher, and I had done some student teaching at another school. Then I went into that junior high. In those days, it was grade seven, eight, and nine. And so I did the directing a lot, and he did the producing. And he was, Neil Boyden was such a great person to work with. But then I fell in love with the Lower Mainland, and so I had to move to Vancouver. So I got out there. They didn't recognize all my degrees. You couldn't have a major in drama as an educator. 
in BC at that time. Now you can, I think, but not at that time. So I was teaching adult ed for a while and getting involved in, in local theater and stuff. But I end up, this job comes up for a drama teacher at this high school, and I, I went for it. I did so many productions there. I actually ended up on the board of directors for Arena Theater Company, and Terrence Kelly, who's got had more TV productions than anybody else was running this thing and I just showed up and said I need a theater to put on a play. I ended up in their board of directors, got connected with this guy who went to the National Theater School, really helped me. We brought his theater into our school, took over the school for three weeks and or actually four weeks because it was a week setting up. The strike was quite quick. It was in a small gym. All the principals in Surrey, the biggest district in BC, they all show up and come look at this. And after that, they started building theaters and schools in BC. I love that. I know, I couldn't believe it. And it was, it was like I was pushed to do all this because I couldn't find a place to do it. And all of a sudden, this is happening. So I, I can't say I'm in, instrumental. I was just following what was going on, right? But that's how life happens. And so then nine, I was nine years at that school. The school turned East Indian from, from being sort of a poorer group that didn't finish schooling to these highly educated East Indian people. But they didn't want to do musicals because they had different music than we did. So we were writing sociodramas about social issues, about mm -hmm. Meetings and about abuse and about theft and about um, we had a kid in the school for two years that was a pyromaniac setting the school on fire we had the fire department we'd be out in the pouring rain all the time so the issues that we would we would research and write about and bring in local agencies to help us man I was learning so much doing this nine years there they build the first in-school theater after that it took a while before they got it going and then I got that job in Surrey and man I was not only directing there but I had to any other group that wanted to use it I was in charge of providing my students to do the lights and everything for that it was I was like a workaholic that's when I started my workaholic thing we did five shows a year I do a Shakespeare we do a musical the kids there love Shakespeare like here they love musicals they love Shakespeare so I had to do one every year and then they would go down Oregon Ashland Oregon with the English department and spend five days just watching Shakespeare down there and then we would, Shakespeare. Do, we would do our Remembrance Day play that we would originally write it, and I had to do that. We would do children's theater, and then I had my seniors that were, there was a playwriting class mixed with my grade 10 class, because these were really big schools, so we had a lot of people in there. So they would write the plays, and they would direct the grade 10s in them. So it was, I was exhausted. I would drive an hour from Vancouver to get to Surrey on a good day and an hour home, and at nighttime, I'd have to wait outside with the kids if their parents were late picking them up, sometimes for an hour. It was, it was crazy times. I was exhausted, and I went, I need to take a break. I need to take a break. And so this voice in my head said, take a year's leave. So I asked, when do I have to have my leave in? And then I was like a teenager on weekend. I don't have to work. I'm going to TOC, be a teacher on call. And then on the Monday, this teacher brings me the ad in the paper saying they're looking for a head of performing arts at a school in Amman, Jordan. And I looked at it, and I saw me there. I didn't even know where Amman, Jordan was, but I saw pic pictures of me there, and I went, oh, my God, I'm supposed to go there. They were interviewing across all of Canada. I knew I was going to get it. I got the job. So I sold everything I owned. I moved to the Middle East. I got there three weeks before the towers came down. Is this fate or what? I'm woken up by all the expats that are living there and teaching there, and they're saying, this is what England and the United States have been doing here for thousands of years. Or not thousands of years, for decades, for a long time, since World War II. They were the ones who created Israel. Real, all the problems. The Jewish people were treated horribly by the 
European, but what was going on there now, they were doing the same thing to the Muslims, taking their land from them, giving them nothing for it. They wanted, they wanted the oil in Iraq, and it was well known. It's all out in the news and everything now, if you look at Cheney, Rumsfeld, and Woods, Wolfowitz, what they did. So I'm here, I watched the towers come down, I, I realized I was safer there than I was in Vancouver, so I stayed. Several teachers went back, I stayed during the war, I did a couple of my favorite plays there, I learned a ton, I ended up going back for another two years to Kuwait. That's two years in the Middle East. You're talking about this career changing. I'm teaching all theater at a baccalaureate school so that they can go straight into third year university after um, drama acting 11 and 12. A lot of research they had to do. They had to know how to direct a play and everything by the end of that. Then I go to Kuwait where it's all academic and I'm teaching mostly English and a little bit of drama and I'm doing more creative drama with them again. Then I move back, I end up in Alberta, not getting a job there because they were only gonna hire teachers that had lots of experience, or only three years experience max, two years experience max for three years. So I took a job here in Powell River and they had this beautiful theater, someone running all the lights and everything so I didn't have to be worried about getting in all the right lamps and, and setting it all up and doing all that stuff. That was really sweet. And they flew us out to come see it and I went, oh my goodness, this place is so beautiful. So I taught here for 13 years and then finally retired just burning out from so much going on because the people here love being in place so now I'm a teacher on call I get to help out so I get to still be there and help my good friend Jen Didcott who took my job but in those 40 years I learned a lot boy and it always changed that they teach the students taught me how to teach them every step of the way who was the person who made the biggest impact on your career for sure that was David Spinks who started the the theater program at the University of Lethbridge in the 70s I started there in 19 I did a five-year BA B.Ed. I didn't think I was going to be a drama teacher, but he, he taught children's drama at children's theater, and he was really close friends with Brian Way. Anyone in the nose development, he, the schools all over North America, really strongly in Canada and all over England. And so by watching this man, and he also brought Brian Way out to work with us, and I did, no, I, I thought I did children's theater with him. That was with David Spinks. When Brian Way came out, we did improv to production him but he wasn't as good a teacher as David Spinks that man changed me he was this he looked like Santa Claus this great big guy and he was so full of love and I thought oh man I, I just learned so much from him and it was when they finally offered it as an education degree it was the first year that year and I that's what sort of pushed me because no way was I going to be a regular teacher where you stand and deliver and students are like robots just writing down notes I couldn't do that but theater uh, so it was David Spinks Brian Way, and as I said before, every single student I ever taught had the biggest impact on me because every one of them is unique, and so you have to really listen and, and look, okay, what do they need right now? What's working, what isn't working? So being present and just learning from life, you know? <laughs> I love that. Thank you. What was your favorite performance or production you were involved in, and what was your role? I probably said this a few years you were in it because the students would always say, what's your favorite play? And I'd always say, the one we're working on right now because I'm engrossed in it, I'm in love with it. But as I was telling you earlier, I really was proud to do West Side Story when I was in the Middle East because it was a statement. And I made the front page of the English paper in Amman, Jordan. It said, West Bank Story, Side Story. We get your message. And it was about about how hard it is to love someone if you're Jewish and Muslim or you're Christian and Muslim and you want to be together. So it just hit me. It took me weeks before I could pick the play and then I went, West Side Story, and they did such a good job of it. I played the, the, the one that
Muslims from Puerto Rico. I had Muslims, and when I asked them how come, they said, okay, I had them, and so they played all, and they, they also did the best jobs for these roles. They were so good. It was really awesome. And we had we had the British Embassy come see the play. One of the girls dancing on point with a violin. She, her father was from the embassy in Italy. Like, there were these people from from high places showing up to watch this, plus the royal family. It was really something. And then my next second one that made the biggest difference, I felt, was the year 2003 when the U.S. invaded Iraq. My play started March 16th. We had to shut it down on the 17th because Muslims aren't allowed to celebrate when there's a war going on around them. But we did Macbeth to make a statement about greed because I saw that's what was going on. It's, it's not all North Americans doing it. It's a few of the bankers, a few that are running the world, that are running the governments right now because we're not running them anymore. And they're the ones making these statements. And so we punched back by doing Macbeth. Unfortunately, it got shut down, but we did get the first opening night. What were some of the lessons you learned from teaching performing arts internationally? I learned that I had to teach differently, like girls can't sit on boys' knees in games and stuff, and that stacking game we used to do, you remember that one? Love that. They, when I asked them to do something, they would do it. They didn't have jobs on the side, and so they were always there. Their job was to do well in school, so they worked so hard. I learned to trust these people and that I felt safer there than when I lived in Vancouver. I learned that they learn slightly differently. They're very social people, like when I taught the East Indian kids in Surrey, they love being social and they love getting up and performing. But the written work, it was harder to get them to do the written work. Whereas, you know, like so cultures can change. So I learned everybody, every single student's taught me how to teach them because they're all different. So you just, you watch, you listen, you go, uh-oh, I better change this plan. Could you tell me what made you pursue a career teaching the performing arts? I hated school when I was in elementary school. The, I didn't even want to go to university. All my siblings had their picture, their grad picture on the piano. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to university. And then I tried working for a while and realized I'm going to university. <laughs> And I loved university, but I didn't like the school system. And so I purposefully, after I watched how you can teach people through getting up and doing it, I, I actually went and took a course that I, my, I was told, I was directed from whatever came into my head, go do this observation course. And this man was teaching kids, getting them up, doing everything in a regular grade six classroom. And I went, He's like, he's like what I was reading about, you know, development drama. I could do that with my students. We can learn about ourselves and about life by getting in our body. I want to do that. So that's what got me into it. It was all the timing. It was supposed to be, I believe it. But I, I didn't know what I was going to do before I started. I just kept following the path that had heart. And, and you're going to get there. We're all going to get there. You know, just keep following it. There's, now that I'm retired, there's still paths calling me. Do you have any thoughts on why it is important that drama be included in the curriculum? Yes, kids learn more by doing. They're, they love being in shop, they love being in sewing, they love being in drama or art or inventing things. The new programs that are coming in that they're doing with grade 9s and 10s now, and they're going to keep adding to that, it's getting them doing it and making mistakes. We learn by making mistakes. Instead of just sit, stand and deliver, and the student sits and writes all this down and memorizes it, you can Google that stuff. We need to experience life. So I think the best thing we can do is keep it in the classrooms. It's a must. I'm in a hands-on program right now, and I... Perfect. Uh, you got it. You know it, right? And I think most humans are. 
Yeah. What led you to come to Powell River and become Brooks Secondary School's performing arts teacher and what are some of the lessons that you learned while teaching the students at Brooks? So different lessons here. So I got here, it was like going almost back to the 1950s because everybody was friendly. You didn't cross the street when you saw a gang of teenagers, they all would know you and say hi. Um, the arts were huge here. You know how, you know, with Cathalmu and and uh, Prisma and all that, like the arts are huge here. And so it was the perfect place to retire because it's just so peaceful. And I had the perfect theater. I got to meet people like you. And um, I don't know, it's to teach them differently. I had to get into doing musicals in order <laughs> to draw in a crowd. Every now and then I'd get to throw in a Shakespeare, but they really wanted that. So that was the, I, I wanted a job, they phoned me, but I said no. Then um, they phoned me back and, I, and they sweetened the pot and I said, well, we'll come look. And when we flew over, it was, I remember it was June 16th. I remember these dates are key. And we were coming across the water was like glass and there were hummingbirds everywhere and everything was that electric green. And I went, oh my God, it's so beautiful. Then I come and see the theater, this new theater they were just building that year. I'm like, oh, and someone's gonna run all the electric or all the, all the, hanging the lights, I don't have to worry and sweat about students. They have a manager of the theater and, and the whole community. It was, okay, twist my arm. So we moved here. Can you share a class activity that you're exceptionally proud of and what makes it exceptional? More than productions, it's working with the grade eights. They don't even want to be there. They come in so afraid because bullying is highest in grade seven. And so they come into this school with all these older, bigger kids and they're worried they're going to get scrunched or that they're going to be geeks or not fit in. And so just getting them to learn to feel safe in the environment, building that kind of a space, doing breath breathing exercises with them, getting them to tune in to their, their middle of their brain, be behind their eyes, to feel safe, focus. Then if, if they don't focus, they're not going to do anything. So I always had to go through, build the safe environment, get them to focus, do trust blind work so that they feel safe amongst each other. It's fun, but it's fun to watch them. And then when they start to understand, just even doing stuff to hook up both sides of the brain, um, get them their left nostril to relax them, their right nostril to wake them up, all these things are giving them tools because they're gonna not, most of them are not gonna be actors, but they're gonna play other roles in life. The kids that were hurting units, some of them would come into classes just to be in drama because it was a safe place. So to me, that was my favorite part of teaching was helping the person. The plays were a lot of work, but every time we would see the, them on stage, it'd be like, oh, I'm so grateful, it was so good. And to see you guys walking around with this pride, just beaming for weeks. I know, I know, you were part of a team and you have so much confidence after. So that, I love that for everybody. I love what makes them happy. But in the end, you know, when we write those things, what I appreciate about you on those pieces of paper and take them home, just to remind yourself, you know, you are amazing. You can do anything and you can make mistakes on stage and actually learn from that. And it's, it's like real life, you know, just fix it and move on and keep, you know, keep enjoying it all. Just the joy of life is the best part, I guess. Yeah. How do you deal with drama students that need extra help with their role? So everyone's an individual. And there's always students that are in this situation because as soon as you get them exactly where you want them to graduate, <laughs> but some of them walk in with it right off the, the cuff, thank goodness. But so you listen, you observe, you ask some questions. Sometimes they make mistakes, so then I, I'll ask them more. You pull them aside or whatever. Some of them, I'll, I'll work on breathing with them to get them breathing. 
Some of them, I'll get them in their body so that they can feel how that person moves so that they're communicating that way. But an example, if you don't mind, I'd like to give you as an example, like your first production, you played that old battle axe. Well, <laughs> you were only grade nine, but you were this little spitfire and it was, it was character acting. So you got to overact and you had no problem because that wasn't you anyway. So you had all this makeup on, you were this old, this I love playing her. Oh, and you were so good at it. You brought the house down. And, and so it didn't take, I, and I worked with you over time and everybody in that play, because every role you guys did were key roles. That was easier. And when you did Sally, I mean, you were Sally. You, you were kind of that, again, it was a character role. But when you did the vulnerable role in grade 11 in Midsummer Night's Dream, Hermia, was that it? Helena. Helena, right. Yeah. Helena. When you played Helena, she had to be vulnerable. She had to, and that was really hard. So in that one, I had a, such a huge cast. Uh, some of them, like we had all these people moving in from Squamish and stuff, and so I was trying to work with all of them. So you went and got yourself, and I was really grateful because I said, you're grade 11, what, what else can you do? You went and got yourself someone that you could work with. What's her name, Mitzi? Mitzi, yeah, and, Mitzi now, Jones. And now she's performing in Toronto on TV, so you had a really good teacher that worked with you, so you got that. But the one gift I could give you, and I think I invited you to come to yoga, and so I would drop you off at yoga, or at, with your parents after yoga, but I, I wanted you to own your power, to come in this place that really oxygenates us, and, and to tune in, close our eyes, to be able to even meditate, and. And learn about left nostril, right nostril to you know to wake you up or calm you down. And I just thought you're at this stage where everybody expects the most out of you. So if I could give you that gift. So everybody's got something different. One student, I might need to just build them up all the time because they got low self-esteem. Another one, I might need to you know get firm with them because they're not coming through, or or even say well. I've double cast this and I'm going to pull one of the shows from you unless I've had to do that before. And then all of a sudden they're, you know, they're yeah. they're getting the help that they need, so it's different for everyone. Can you give me an example of how you coached or mentor someone? What improvements did you see in the person's knowledge or skills? I mean, that's there's many it's sort of connected to that last one. Seeing students change from breathing exercises when I first took my yoga instructor's course in 91, the students in those days were chest breathers. A lot of us walked around in fear all the time. So we, I was a chest breather until uh, I was on the board of directors. He was the director and he taught me how to gut, he taught me how to diaphragmatically breathe. And then I got into this yoga that taught me more about how to breathe from the diaphragm and how to expand your vocal skills, how to relax and calm yourself, how to separate the left nostril and the right nostril. One wakes you up, the other one calms you down. So all these kinds of things, you know, are, are one here. Okay, we did that with you and how we helped you, but helping them to calm down, I would realize I need to do more breath work or I want them to get playful and just be silly. Well, we'll do children's theater for little kids because that'll, that'll give them someone to perform for that will love whatever they do, even if they screw up, you know. So you, there's levels that you, you go through. So it depends on what grade they are, they're going through. So there's so many things. 5% of communication is nonverbal. So how to get them, you know, how would that character walk? How would that character, you know, what would their posture be? Where would their, how would they make eye contact? All those things, you know, that's huge. It's more important when you're doing Shakespeare than the words, really, because that most of the people are still going, what do they mean? Until you make it super physical. Like you guys did yeah. in Midsummer Night's Dream, it was so physical that they were getting what it was about. 
You'll get more and more Shakespeare as you see it and watch it, but so many people are turned off it because it's just words in a book and they were told to read them. It's meant to be watched. Yeah. And it's a whole other language, so you, you gotta yeah. figure ways to do it. I have observed that you are an active director. You really just sit at the desk, always jumping into the rehearsal space, talking with actors, walking through the space. Do you think this comes from your background as an actor? And how was being an actor influenced you as a director? So sometimes just sitting and using the left brain and just giving them a note saying, you need to be louder, I don't have to get up. Or if I'm saying, uh, you put those in the wrong order, I'll just give that note. But when it comes to, if I want to teach them through the right brain, which is about our emotions and learning through feeling, I need to go into the energy of what that character is about. So that's why I get up. I go into the energy, I feel the energy, and I try to put that energy near that student. And they're going to bring their own way of bringing that energy in. And so they won't always do it my way, but they'll get the feeling I'm hoping. So that's what makes me jump up, because I need to feel it too, in order to, instead of me going wah, 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 and telling them what to do, I want to I want to try it myself. Well, what would I do for that character? Those are some possibilities, but it's, the, it's always the bottom line. Everything is just energy vibrating at different frequencies. So whether it's the color, the, the sound from the music, the, the lights, whatever, when we're acting, we're, we're getting an energy across. So is it an emotional moment? What kind of an emotion? Or is it just one of those, forget it, never mind, I'm leaving kind of moments. So that's why I jump up. I don't, I did do directing as a course in university, but for me, that's what worked and we're all individuals. So someone else would do it differently probably. What are some elements of a good play and what factors do you consider when selecting the next production that is going to be put on? What are some elements of a good play? Um, you have to be ready. You cannot charge people money for something that they're not going to enjoy, so you have to make sure you get all those rehearsals in there. The biggest challenge in doing it is, so some of the, you have to do sets, costumes, props, tickets, makeup, advertising, promotions, uh, programs, all that stuff, plus audition, everybody, pick the play, audition the play, get posters up all over town, and you have to work, work, work till you get it all ready. You have to make sure everything's ready on time. And sometimes you, you might have to bring in another act. I mean, there's so many things to do when you're doing a play. That's why I'd rather just work with the person. Because to me, if that person comes out a better person, it's not as much effort from me to do that as it is to do the professional play in a less than professional environment, right? Because we're beginners. We're all learning together. So I can't believe that you guys always made them that level, though. We always got it there, we no did. matter what. Because yeah. you weren't going to embarrass yourselves. So that also comes with making sure you got the right person cast. And if you're questioning, double cast it. Or if you have too many really talented kids in Syria, I had so many talented kids. I had, especially the females, because most of the plays are written by men for men. So I, I had to double cast a lot of females, unfortunately. What kind of audition will most effectively identify what actors are best for each role? I like to do the audition so that they they are proving to me they will take the time to memorize so many lines. I like them to do it solo so that I'm not distracted by another actor. Um, so someone else can come up with them, but I'm only grading one at, at a time. So are they committed to it? Are they going to le learn those lines? Who are the first ones to learn those lines? Those are my confident ones. Those are the ones that are going to help the others. So the audition really does it, but I like to spend time before picking, giving them lots of 
teaching on how to move different ways, how each character is going to move in the play because it's going to change how their posture and how physically they're going into it. They're going to give them more understanding. Try to do vocal work with them if they need you know, to be louder. I liked that the students were able to watch each other during auditions because they learned from each other. And so they'd see someone else get up there and do it and go, wow. And the ones that were confident got it out of the way because it's the highest stress ever in the play is the audition, really, in I some ways. we're doing that. The play, it's, you know, what? I did what? So I, I like to have the regular prove to me you can do this because I'm not going to put on a show if you guys can't prove it. If you're not going to bother to learn the lines, I'm not going to all that work. So. What is the most challenging and most enjoyable part of the process of putting together a dramatic production? The biggest challenge in the production is all the background production stuff and I wish that we could have a stagecraft course here like we did in Surrey. Um, stagecraft did a lot of that, still it's a lot of work and plus I was only teaching theatre there, not doing English and marking English essays and stuff. I was able to just be the drama person and so that that's the hardest part. The best part, the best part is the relationship you build with everybody in it and you have that forever and watching the shows and when the show's on you guys are working away up there i just i can't take the grin off my face sometimes i'm i'm going okay is he going to get this line but mostly i'm just like oh my god they're rocking this and then to be able to go back and tell you guys how good it was and then to see you in the halls for weeks after just so alive and believing in yourselves it's like all right, it's all worth it. And they actually pay me to do this. Pay for play, I used to always. And you realize you can do it. I yeah. grew up with a guy who tore a, um, uh, his groin muscle. He became a, a ballet dancer in, in Canada and New Zealand. But he t And he would take painkillers and, and relaxation things, and he would still do the splits every night when we were in this production. Bye-bye birdie or whatever. But every night. And so you just learn, I can do this. I can do it. I'm stronger than I, I think. I can't just stop and say, cut, can I redo that? In the movies, they can, yeah. but you can't do that in, on stage. Yeah. Tell me about a time when you developed your own way of doing things within a theater production. Well, every community and year is different. When I was at Princess Margaret, oh, I had all these East Indian students, yeah, and so I couldn't, I couldn't do Shakespeare for sure with them. They weren't into that. They, they had their own, so we would do a lot of research and they loved doing socio-dramas where they researched it and we would perform this for the audience and the audience would be full of parents and people and the parents were learning, oh my God, yes, my child went through that because they usually wrote their own story and it was we would invite all the other grades to come in. We had packed audiences all the time with the other grades coming in to see all these plays and we would, after, dialogue with the audience, what do you think caused that, what do you think could solve that? It was, and it was because of the students, I had to adapt to that. But every single year of my life and every time, even in a day, I'll go, I'm teaching this wrong, I gotta change this. And I think that's the same when you're parenting, right? You, I'm, I'm not doing this right, this child's not learning this this way, I have to. So you have to pay a lot of attention and you have to not give up and just keep going till you get it. Can you share an effective approach to working with a large amount of information, data, within a theatre production? An effective approach? Well, Shakespeare, I have to make sure that my students really get what the play is about, what each character is about before we can even audition, and what the messages are in it. 
and and how to interpret some of the things in the language and I prefer his comedies for your age I think it's so fun to make fun of even the sexual innuendos in there the seniors would get them and sometimes I'd be like oh I hope that the little guys don't get it and the parents would laugh but it's like they're loaded with it so you have to take a lot of time and they have to be a dedicated group that are saying yeah I can do something as thick and as tough as Shakespeare or I can do something that's going to require like a musical, singing, dancing, and acting, or I'm going to have to do the research for a sociodrama. So you, there's stages and there's ways of developing every different style, and it takes a lot of work and a lot of information to do those productions. What would you say are your main differences in how you approach a play in preparation for rehearsals for from the differing job perspectives of actor and director? So I see the actor as someone who needs, they've got to learn their lines, they've got to listen, they've got to take notes but do what they believe they have to do and they have to take risks but the director they have to set create a space of safety for everyone that they feel that they're not going to be left out you have to build team you have to make sure everybody understands what it's all about and what they're committing to and then you have to fix anything that goes wrong in it and nobody gives you the credit for it but in the end if it looks really bad you feel like you're the one who let everybody down so there's they're different jobs for sure it, when I was an actor I realized that my ego was stroked but when I was a director I realized I was there for the students and it meant more if I could give them something to believe in themselves that's what I was here for I realized that about myself so that that was a huge difference the whole show in high schools is the director's job not in university they have yeah. specialists doing other things so you are loaded up and so it's way more than the single actor's job you know as a teacher's assistant how difficult it was to even talk to an individual let alone a whole group right and then to make sure that they're at a certain level for a performance that's like that's it different than teaching creative drama for sure children's theater even yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's one step at a time we we're not we are teachers all of us but we don't realize it till we become parents or babysitters or whatever so that was a, a little step for you and it was courageous to do that so you realize okay right now I can do this and now like I'm seeing a way more mature person in front of me interviewing me and each step you're going to get more and more by the time you're third year I found third and fourth year university K because you got it I, I got this figured out I know what they want and so yeah it's Life is one lesson after another, right? I understand you were a part of the Townsite Actors Guild. Can you tell me about your experiences and roles in the productions of Crossing the Bar by Don Negro, as well as Meteor Shower by Steve Martin? I helped support in Crossing the Bar by, by being there, but we didn't do much with them or for them. I felt directed, I hadn't been on stage since I was in my 30s, and last year I was 62 when I did that play, but because I retired, I was looking younger, feeling younger, and I thought, I, I, I want to do this. I need I, This voice in my head that directed me, sent me to the Middle East, that told me I had to be a drama teacher, said, you got to go after this play, and I love the author. I mean, who doesn't love anything that, uh, what's his name, who wrote that again? Um, Meteor shower, Steve Martin. He's so funny. I grew up with his Love comedy. Steve yeah, Martin. Steve Martin. So I went just all whatever, but I I made sure that I I looked it up and I got interested in it and I went, yeah, I could do that part. I could do that one or the other one. So I showed up, got the role that I wanted, um, but they couldn't find a female for it. And so I told her, well, I know this stand-up comedian who just moved here and she's brilliant. She could play the other role. I'm sure she could. Sure enough. She came in, and then the two men backed out because they didn't get the comedy in it. So then 
I, same thing, this voice in my head said, go to Dr. Buhays and the guy who gave you that massage in December, he could play Norman, he looks like a Norman. I didn't even remember his name and I'd only had one massage and I went, he's supposed to play Norman, really? Yeah, so I went there and, and you don't go to your doctor's office to get ask him, would you like to be in a play? But I was directed to, so he came out, he's never out of his office. I said, Dr. Buhay, would you like to be in a play? And he goes, no, I said, do you have a couple minutes? He goes, I have three minutes. I said, and we go in his office, I said, would you like to be in a play? He goes, what? I just told someone yesterday I think I should be in a play. Everything is energy connecting, right? You, the more you wake up, the more you're aware of it. And so I, love that. I left the play with him. I said, well, can I come back after and read it with you? So here we are on a Friday night, six o'clock, his last customer comes in. We read till eight o'clock. He's howling. He's studying psychology at the same time going, I love this. I love these statements. Yeah, I want to play the bad guy. And so I said, well, I think that your partner, Douglas, who works here, would make a really good Norman, my normal, my flatline, boring husband. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he comes over to my place the next day on a Saturday. We read and talk about it for three hours. He's never been in a play. He's really nervous. He's such a lovely man, though. He was perfect for it. And it was so easy for me to act off him. So we end up with our cast for because some kind of source was telling me we're supposed to do this play. And then I learned after doing the play that it was to bring out all this repressed anger that I had for years because I, I don't believe in getting mad like most women we want to balance things we want people to get along when we're loving people and I had repressed all this anger because I thought anger is for weak, weaklings that's not a good thing to do well the day after the play was over and that that's what happens to the woman in the play too they're living this flatline boring life because they're not really being their true selves expressing their real emotions and that's the big message in the already thing so the next day after the play is over, I go out, and it was so fun doing it, it was so funny. I have a visitor coming from Alberta to see me in the play, and I'm just, I want to, I would have taken a baseball bat to my bed. I was so angry because I needed to get this out, but I didn't want to wake her up. So I go out in the forest, 5.30 in the morning, I see all like, like electric bright squirrels coming up, handing me nuts. All these trees look like, and the birds are, are just so happy in the trees, and I'm like, what the heck? How come I'm feeling all this level? I'm so freaking angry. And I grabbed the stick and I, that was the only metal pipe in the whole forest. And I just beat the heck out of this pipe. And this man and his dog came along and they looked so nervous and afraid. And I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing? But I had to release this stuff. I had to learn from that character. And that's why some roles that we play are important for us because we had to learn the lessons that were in that. And I swear I was supposed to do that. Am I directed to be in a play this year? No. My play this year is helping a good friend of mine in a court case that is so wrong. And that's what I'm directed to do. So sometimes the right things come to us, right? Like you were supposed to be Sally. There's no two ways about it. As we r wrap up, is there anything else you would like to share with our audience? Yeah, there were some thoughts about that. Follow your path that has heart or follow your gut or whatever. Follow divine source, whatever you believe in. Live life even in the tough times as if you are directed to be there because you're going to learn something from it. It's worth it, even if it breaks your heart, even if it's the hardest time in your life. Losing my dad at 10 years old, all of a sudden I became spiritual. I started looking into things, started going to all these churches and thought, no, it's not the answer. It's not there. And just looking and, and, and exploring life, trust it all, even the hard times because we learn from our mistakes, right? That's what we do. And laugh when you can. And every single person is valid that I learned by having, they taught me more about love than any professor ever could. So everything in life is gonna teach us. Everybody's worth their weight. 
whether you're Einstein or whether you're the slowest learner, you have gifts, you have things to share. Everyone is valid and we are all one and we should have no more the left hand fighting the right hand, which is going on in the world right now. We can work it all out. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed our experience today. Thank you for chatting with me. Thank you so much, Regan. I loved it too. Thank you, Brenda, for chatting with me today. It has been great to see you again and to our audience. Thanks for joining us this week on Theatre Chat. In this episode of Theatre Chat, I talked with Brenda Laycock about her involvement in the arts from beginning to now and her views on the processes of live theatre performances. Thank you, Brenda Laycock, for joining us today. Thank you to all my listeners for tuning in. You can find Brenda Laycock at lakehawk underscore at hotmail.com. Make sure to visit our website at www.theaterchat.com where you can subscribe to our shows on iTunes and Anchor so you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on to iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in next time and break a leg.